السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Firstly apologies for the slight delay in starting We had a few technical issues that we were dealing with But inshallah ta'ala today's lesson we're inshallah going to conclude the tafsir of Surah Al-Asr And this is a surah that we began a few weeks ago even though it's a very you know, relatively short and, and small surah, it's a surah, as we can see, that is full of many lessons and many principles. And that's why you have the famous statement of Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, which has been rated to us in different wordings. One of them is, If people were just to contemplate and reflect on this single surah, it would be sufficient for them. In another narration or another wording that's reported from him, rahimahullah, he said, that if Allah was to only have revealed this surah from the Qur'an, it would have been sufficient. And that's because of how comprehensive it is in terms of dealing with the heart of the matter. And that is that Allah Azza wa takes an oath, as we said, by time. And not just the concept of time or the abstract concept of time, but time in terms of how we use that time. Whether we use it for good or whether we use it for evil, whether we use that time beneficially or whether we waste that time. And we mentioned a number of hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that speak about the same issue. And it's something which Allah repeats as a, a concept and a, and, a, and a theme throughout the Qur'an when he takes oaths by not just al-asr, which is time in general, but by specific parts of the day and the night and specific times to show the importance of that general concept. So Allah stresses in many times in the Qur'an, Surah Fajr, Al-Layl, Al-Shams, Al-Qamar, Al-Duha, all of these are different types of day and night or the sun and the moon which denote the coming of the day and the night. And so Allah Azza wa takes an oath by all of them. And in this surah, Allah Azza wa makes it even more general. And we said, even though some of the scholars of tafsir specified al-asr to be reflecting just the time of the prayer or the evening time in which asr occurs, the time of asr occurs, the uh, general opinion or the majority opinion and the one that the likes of Imam Al-Tabari and Ibn Kathir rahimahumullah and others chose was that Al-Asr is far more general. It is far more comprehensive. It refers to time in its general sense. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla in the second verse, He says, indeed mankind is in loss. Inna al-insana, meaning all of man. And even though there were some scholars again of tafsir that specified that just to be the disbelievers, Allah is referring to the disbelievers, or some of them specified it even more and gave names like Abu Lahab or Abu Jahl. We said that the strongest opinion and the most, again, the majority opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir is that it is a general statement, encompasses everyone, Muslim, non-Muslim, righteous, unrighteous, it encompasses everyone. Everyone is in a state of loss. And we mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before, how some of the scholars said that Allah Azza wa Jal, to show the importance of this issue, emphasizes that state of loss in three ways. The first is by taking an oath at the beginning of the surah, wal-asr, by time. And then by using the word inna, which means indeed or verily in the Arabic language, is to emphasize the importance of something or of what's to come in, in that sentence. And the third way is with the lam at-tawqeed, in lafi khusr. The lamb here is also for emphasis and to stress importance. So Allah Azza wa says, by time, indeed mankind is surely in a state of loss. And that's a comprehensive statement. Everyone is in a state of loss. Except for, and then Allah Azza wa gives the exception, and this is where we, um, I think we paused last week, where we were discussing 
the concept of illa in the Quran. And illa is the word that takes, an, takes a rule and it brings an exception to that rule. And we mentioned that in the Arabic language, illa has a number of, uh, a number of benefits or has a number of uses. Does something to the statement. Number one, it affirms the general rule that comes before it. So there's a general rule that Allah Azza wa has placed in the Quran. Mankind is in a state of loss. It confirms that that is the status quo. Number two, it gives you an exception to that rule. And that's what illa does. It's the illa al-istithna'iyya. The istithna is to make an exception. There are exceptions to that rule. And number three, it is to, in some way, to specify or to make special those group of people. And special not in the sense that they're always in a good sense. As we mentioned sometimes, the illa or the special is in a bad sense. It's a, an evil sense. It's a sense that these people have been singled out, but not for good praise or for good uh, reasons, but rather the opposite. Right? And we gave examples of all of that last week. So Allah makes the exception, illa. Right? So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to mention the different aspects or the four different steps for salvation, the four components that we need for total salvation. And just as we said with the word khusr and khusran in the Arabic language and how Shaykh al-Sa'di rahimahullah in his tafsir he mentioned that losses of different levels. So even though Allah Azza wa Jalla says mankind is in a state of total loss, that losses of different levels. Someone who has iman but doesn't do good deeds, doesn't do the advising with the truth and patience, is still in a state of loss. But it's not complete and total loss because they have the asl of iman, right? They have the basis, the foundation of believing in Allah Azza wa Jalla, but maybe they never prayed. Maybe they never gave zakah. Maybe they don't fast in the month of Ramadan. Maybe they're not good to their parents or helpful to others or whatever it may be. So those people have some salvation, but they also have some loss. And then you have people who do good, they believe and they do good, but they don't really enjoy the good, they don't forbid the evil, it's very much about themselves, they don't really help others, it's not really about the community that they're in, their brothers, their sisters, their families, their relatives, their friends, they don't really look outside and beyond their own personal sphere. So those people still have some form of loss, and that's what Shaykh al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala said. So likewise, Allah Azza wa now is telling us the opposite. That these are the steps to salvation. In order to have total salvation, you have four things. If you don't take all four, you take three, you take two, you take one, there is still some salvation. But it doesn't mean that it will be a total salvation, meaning what? We know from the sunnah that the Prophet told us وسلم, that there will be some people who are from the people of Iman, the people of this religion, people of faith, people who believe in Allah, believe in the Prophet who will enter into the fire because of sins that they've committed or because of obligations that they didn't fulfill. And Allah may choose to forgive those people, shower his mercy upon them. He may choose to punish them in this life or in the grave, or he may leave that punishment and their purifying to be from the fire of hell. And so those people will enter into the fire also. Right? And there's numerous hadith uh, you know, in that regard, and it's something which is a, a well-established principle in our religion. Those people will eventually always leave the fire. Allah Azza wa Jalla will eventually always take them out and bring them into Jannah because they have the asl of Iman. Right? They have the asl of Iman. However, because they don't get total salvation, they still suffer some form of loss. Right? And that is what Imam Sa'di and others are trying to say here. 
So Allah Azza wa gives us four steps. Uh, Imam Razi in his tafsir, he mentions that the first two components or the first two you know, of the four attributes, the first two are in terms of personal conduct, which is iman, faith, and amal salih righteous deeds and action. That's very personal. My iman, my faith in Allah, my connection to Allah, my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my good deeds, you know, how much I pray, fast, giving sadaqah and zakah and so on. That's very personal to me. And the second two attributes, the latter two, are to do with helping others. And that is advising one another with truth and advising one another with patience. And so Islam, therefore, is a religion where we don't just become, you know, reclusive. It's not just about me. It's not very, you know, it's not just me. But it is about others around us, right? And we find that throughout the Quran, where Allah Azza wa tells us that we have responsibility for others. Ya amanu, fusakum ahlikum nara. Or you who believe, save yourselves and your families from the fire. So it's not just about me, right? Or the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu every single one of you is a shepherd and every one of you is responsible for his kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyyatih. So those are hadith and, and verses that we have that go to prove what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning. So Allah Azza wa mentions four things. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ Except for those who believe and do righteous deeds. They advise one another with truth and they advise one another with patience. Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiyallahu anhu, the famous companion of the Ansar, the scholar of the Qur'an, the qari of the Qur'an, it is reported that he said, and it is a weak narration, but it's mentioned in the tafsir of a Thalabi, that he said in the tafsir of this verse, that إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Except for those who believe, refers to Abu Bakr. And عَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Righteous deeds refers to Umar. And تَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ They advise one another with the truth, refers to Uthman. And advising one another with patience, تَوَاصَوْ sabr Refers to Ali رضي الله عنهم اجمعين. That's a, a weak narration from this companion. Those companions, it is incorrect to say, for example, Abu Bakr is only known for Iman. No, Abu Bakr is known for Iman and is known for righteous deeds and is known for advising with the truth and advising with patience, as is Umar, as is Uthman, as is Ali. But sometimes you know, like people like to give examples just to, to bring a concept closer to uh, the understanding of others. But those companions, what was amazing about them is that they had that comprehensive overview of Islam, where they were able not just to excel in one aspect or another, but they brought together the whole package, right? And that's what, that was, that's what made them who they were, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. Muhammad ibn Ka'ab in his uh, tafsir of this verse, and we mentioned some of this before, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentioned that mankind is in loss, he gave an exception to that. And he said, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Except those who have Iman. But then Allah Azza wa Jal didn't just leave that because that's a very generic statement, right? Why? Because everyone will claim to have Iman. Any Muslim will claim to have Iman. It's a very general statement. Includes many people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defined it even further. And he said, وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Not only are they believers, but they're believers who do righteous actions, righteous deeds. And then he says, but then Allah Azza wa Jal didn't just leave it at that either. He could have left it there, and that's the norm in the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often combines between those two things, iman and righteous deeds, and he leaves it there. But he says that he wasn't content to leave it at that either. But then he went a third step further. And they advise one another with the truth. 
And then Allah Azza wa didn't leave it there either. He didn't just finish the verse there, but he brought in a fourth concept. And that is, وَتَوَاسَوْ sabr they advise one another with patience as well. Muqatil said, if a person, Rahimahullah Muqatil, the famous scholar of tafsir, and you know, like all their biographies, all these people as we mentioned, if you go on to the portal, right, in the study notes or the study material, we have a list of all of their like brief biographies. So rather than me going through who they were and what they did, you can just refer to the document. Muqatil, Rahimahullah, in his tafsir of this, he said, therefore, those people have iman, righteous deeds, advise one another with patience, advise one another with the truth. What does it mean? It means that they are not in loss. Those people are not in loss. What is opposite of loss? It is success, right? salvation. Allah Azza wa has favored those people. Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala said, Except those who believe in Allah and worship Him alone and obey Him and do righteous deeds and they fulfill their obligations and their duties and they stay away from the prohibitions that Allah Azza wa Jal has placed upon them. That is the meaning of Iman and Amalus Salih. And righteous deeds, Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the famous scholar amongst the Salaf, he said that the righteous deeds refers to two aspects. Number one is sincerity, and number two is the correctness of the action. Sincerity, meaning that it's done sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no showing off, there's no diverting any of that worship to other than Allah azza wa jal. That's the first condition in order for it to be a righteous deed, sincerity. And number two is that it has to be correct, meaning that it's in accordance with the teachings of the Prophet wasallam with his sunnah. So it's correct in the sense of, in the way that it's legislated, in the way that we follow the guidance of the Prophet wasallam. If those two conditions are met, he said, then it falls under this description in the Quran that is repeated many, many times, right? It's not just once or twice. It is a very common theme in the Quran. But Allah Azza wa often when he refers to actions, he refers to them as salihat, right? Amalus salihat salihat right? The word and the term, term of salihat or salih, which means good, righteous, right? Something which is upright. It is something which is repeated often in the Quran. And you will find it often mentioned together with Iman, right? Iman and righteous deeds. It is mentioned together in the Quran some 70 times. 70 times. And as we've you know, repeated many times in our class here, the fact that something is repeated as a concept over and over again in the Quran denotes importance. Right? It shows that it is a theme or a concept, or a principle, or an etiquette, or a lesson that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to understand and wants us to apply and wants us to take on board because of how important it is. The fact that Allah azza wa always brings those two aspects together shows that Iman is not just about the faith of the heart, but it is more than, yes, that is its essence and that is at the basic, you know, at its most basic function, that's what Iman is in the heart, but actually what it should do is manifest itself in terms of action, in terms of sayings, in terms of deeds, in terms of what we do. So Allah Azza wa in over 70 times, He brings the two of them together. For example, Allah Azza wa says, وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أَنَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ And give glad tidings to those who believe and do righteous deeds, that they will have jannat, gardens under which rivers flow. 
And another verse Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And those who, do, who have iman and do righteous deeds, they will be the people of paradise and they will abide therein forever. And the third verse Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah Azza wa Jal has promised those who have iman and do righteous deeds that he will give them forgiveness and he will give them a great reward. And that is the norm in the Quran, right? Those 70 odd occasions that is mentioned in the Quran, the norm is what? Iman and righteous deeds are brought together. And in the ordering, Iman always comes first, right? And then you have righteous deeds. Always, Amanu wa amilu salihat. Amanu wa amilu salihat. Iman, righteous deeds, right? Iman, obviously, first because it is the foundation, it's the basis. That's what you need first. And then you have Amilus Salihat, which is the righteous deeds that the Iman brings along. However, it has also occurred in the Quran where the order has been switched, where you have the opposite order, where righteous deeds are mentioned first, and then Iman is mentioned second. Right? So the order is flipped. So for example, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal says, so the norm, the norm is that Iman is always first, right? And then Amal al-Salih. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ كَانَتْ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتُ الْفِرْدَوْسِ نُزُلًا Those who have Iman, righteous deeds, they will have Jannatu al-Firdaus as their abode. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ إِنَّا لَا نُضِيعُ أَجْرَ مَنْ أَحْسَنَ عَمَلًا Indeed, those who have Iman and do righteous deeds, we will never make the reward of those who do good go to loss, right? That's the norm. However, there are two or three verses in the Quran when the order is flipped. Amin al-Salihat or righteous deeds comes first and then you have Iman. For example, when Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَأُولَٰئِكَ يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ Whosoever does righteous deeds, whether male or female, and they are mu'min, and they are believers, and they have Iman, then they will have or they will enter into Jannah. So in this verse, what comes first? Whoever does righteous deeds, male or female. And then as an add-on or, or the second condition is mentioned later, whilst they are mu'min, right? Whilst they are believers, then they will enter into Jannah. The question is, why is the order flipped here? And often the reason for that being when the order is flipped, and that's like often like, you know, a point of, of reflection, right? And tadabbar, and one of the ways that you make contemplation of the Qur'an is when Allah Azza wa Jal has a norm in the Qur'an, a pattern that repeats itself often in the Qur'an, then on the odd occasion, that pattern isn't followed. Right? It's changed. Why is it changed? Why on this occasion has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala switched the order around? So you have a pattern, that's the norm. Allah Azza wa Jal always mentions Iman first, then righteous deeds. But now, hold on, on this occasion, uh, righteous deeds is mentioned first and then Iman second, right? And often it is to do with context. It's to do with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is emphasizing or the point that Allah azza wa jal is stressing or the principle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to bring to our attention. So in this example, the verse before it, Allah azza wa says, لَيْسَ بِأَمَانِيِّكُمْ وَلَا أَمَانِيِّ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ It is not according to your wishes nor the wishes of the people of the book, the people of the scripture. مَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءٍ يُجْزَ بِهِ Whoever does evil will be rewarded accordingly or will be given its punishment accordingly. 
They will find besides Allah no helper, no protector. The context of the verse is concerning the people of the book and the, how they were like, no, we believe and as long as we believe we're saved and it doesn't matter what we do and there's no problem and whatever. So Allah Azza wa is saying, no, actually when you do evil, then you get that punishment, you get the consequences of the evil that you commit. And then when Allah Azza wa mentions the flip side, he begins with actions also. Because that's what they're referring to in the, in the previous verse. مَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوَىٰ Whoever does evil. So Allah begins then by saying وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ And whoever does good deeds. And then he mentions the condition of iman later on. So the norm is iman always comes first, then righteous deeds. When it is flipped, which is only like two or three times, a handful of times in the Qur'an, it is usually because of the context and because of some other lesson that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is drawing our attention to. Also what is mentioned uh, in, in the context of Iman and Amal al-Salih is you find, or Allah, especially alongside Iman anyway, you will often find, uh, and with Amal al-Salih, the mention sometimes of the Day of Judgment. So Iman in the Day of Judgment and the last day as well. Right? So for example, when Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَالَّذِينَ هَادُوا وَالنَّصَارَى وَالصَّابِئِينَ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَلَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Allah says that indeed those who have iman and those from the Jewish faith and those who are Christians and the Sabians, the Sabi'een are those who believed in Allah and they believed in the last day and they did righteous deeds. For them they will have their reward with their Lord and they will have no fear nor will they, will they despair. Right? So Allah Azza wa adds the component of Yawm Al-Akhir. Right? And often it's done in this context when Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala isn't just referring to the believers but is referring to the believers from other faiths as well. Right? The believers from the, Jew, the Jews the, or the, the nation of Musa salam, and the believers from the followers of Isa salam, and so on. When Allah Azza wa brings all of them together often in that context Allah Azza wa adds the extra component of Al-Iman in the last day. Right? And that's because, you know, like of the differences amongst those faiths and those religions and those beliefs in terms of the ideology concerning resurrection, concerning punishment and reward, concerning accounting on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Right? It is an, another level. And, and this is replicated in the Sunnah. And often you find when you look at the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and you look at the Qur'an, the principles or the way that Allah Azza wa mentions something, it is mirrored in the Sunnah in the wording of the Prophet ﷺ. Because one of his most common statements or one of the fairly common ahadith that you find in the sunnah is where the Prophet ﷺ will begin with مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, then let him be hospitable to the guest. Let him you know, be good to his neighbor. Let him speak good or remain silent. Right? You have all of those add-ons. But the beginning is always what? Belief in Allah and belief in the last day. Right? And some of the scholars in their explanations of those ahadith they said because from the six pillars of Iman, you know, we normally say, right, even in, 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 our, um, in, in, in the way that it's phrased in the hadith, when you speak about the six pillars of Iman, you say, belief in Allah and His books, right? His angels, His messengers, His decree and the last day. And the last day is never called His last day. Right, no wording of, of any scholar, any hadith do you ever find and his day of judgment or his last day. It's not ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the others are. 
it's his angels and his books and his decree and his uh, messengers and prophets and so on. And so Yawm al has always been added, not as being ascribed to Allah Azzawajal. And that's why Allah Azzawajal picks those two often in the Quran when he brings them together in this context. And the Prophet used to do the same. You wouldn't say whoever believes in Allah and the messengers or whoever believes in Allah and the angels or whoever believes in Allah and his divine books. It's always whoever believes in Allah and the last day. Right? And that is because of, you know, and this is something which you find mirrored in the Quran. So Allah says indeed those who believe and those from the Jews who believe and those from the Christians who believe and those from the Sabi'in, the Sabians. Anyone know who the Sabi'in are? Who are the Sabi'in, the Sabians? It's mentioned, sorry? Yeah, so the Sabi'in is mentioned like a few times in the Quran. Allah refers to them. And there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to who exactly this is referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Hunafa. Yeah. So the word. Okay. So. I guess you have the linguistic sense, you have the historical sense, you have the aqidah sense and so on, and they all kind of like hopefully try to meet somewhere in the middle. All of those are true, right? And, and you will find all of those different opinions and different statements coming in, which is why there is a difference of opinion, why there is some confusion over who the Sabi'in are referring to. Some of them said it is a belief in and of itself. It is a religion, a standalone religion that had, like other religions, the Jews and the Christians, they had believers and they had disbelievers, right? They were people who had believers and they had disbelievers. And some of the scholars say that there is still today, you know, and I haven't like verified this independently, but that there is still a group of people, I think in Iraq or Iran or around that region, that refer to them as themselves as Sabi'in, right? But they're not Muslims. They don't believe in Islam and all. They have their own kind of like religion. Whether they are the remnants or the, you know, the, the inheritors or the heirs of the Sabi'in that Allah is referring to, I don't know. Allahu A'lam. But it is something which, you know, like I've also come across um, in this. This is our topic of discussion. Uh, obviously, inshallah, when we come to the, those verses, we'll go into them in more detail. But some of them did say that. Others said uh, that it's referring to, it is a group from amongst the Jews. It was one of the sects of the Jews that were known as As-Sabi'in. And others said, no, it's referring to, as, you know, as Rizwan said, that it's referring to those people who remained on the fitra, they remained upon the original religion, meaning they didn't follow any other religion, they remained upon their natural belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what they continued to follow. And that's why, you know, as the brother mentioned, that the Muslims in the, Ar- in the Arabic language, those Muslims who accepted Islam, they used to call them as sabah, qad sabah, right? Meaning that they have left. Right, left what left the religion and gone back to nothing. Right, and and, and in the time of the Prophet in Mecca, you had those people. Right, you had those people like Waraka, you know, like others, uh, who were upon the religion of what they would call Ibrahim salam and they were known as Hanifiyin. Right, the people upon Ibrahim, his religion salam the original religion. So they didn't do the whole idol worship. They didn't do the sacrifice into the idols. They didn't do any of that stuff. But at the same time, they didn't really have a religion in the sense, there's no sharia, obviously, there's no prophet that came to them. They have just taken the basic concept of the religion of Ibrahim which is 
the most important concept, and that is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But anyway, either way, Allah Azza refers to those people when it is in the context of those other nations, those other religions, then the aspect of Al-Yawm Al-Akhir is added concerning that. And you find the same thing in the Sunnah, how the Prophet Sallam uh, stresses the importance of righteous deeds with Iman. Right? So you have Iman, you have righteous deeds. That's a concept that's not only then found in the Quran, in those verses, but it's also mentioned in the Sunnah. For example, in the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu, there is in a Tirmidhi, an Ahmad, and Al-Hakim, the Prophet said, If Allah wants good for a person, He uses them. They said, And how is that person used, O Messenger of Allah? He said, Allah guides them to do righteous deeds before their death. And that is how Allah uses someone. He guides someone to do good and righteousness before death. Right? So the concept of doing good deeds and righteous deeds alongside Iman is something which is well established therefore in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah. So that's the first two elements. Right? And those are the ones that are personal. A person needs Iman. They need that belief in Allah Azza wa Jal. And they need to then strengthen their Iman by doing righteous deeds. Right? By praying, by fasting, by you know, making Umrah, making Hajj, by being good to others, by speaking the truth, by all of those different deeds that we find throughout the Qur'an and throughout the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala mentions two additional attributes. And that is what he concludes the Surah with. And he says, وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ They advise one another with the truth and they advise one another with patience. Ka'b al-Ahbar, he said, al-Haqq, the truth, is referring to al-Iman. It is referring to belief in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, or it is Allah and Iman. And a sabr or patience is to be patient upon Allah's obligations. Al-Hasan and Qatada, rahimahumullah, the famous scholars of tafsir, they said Al-Haqq, the truth, refers to Allah's book, meaning the Quran. And a sabr, patience, refers to being patient upon Allah's obedience. Al-Shaykh Shalqiti, rahimahullah, or rather in his book, Adwa'ul Bayan, Muhammad Al-Amin, he his student who completed that book for, for this particular surah, he said, and this is a concept which the Qur'an agrees with, because often in the Qur'an, Allah Azza wa calls Islam and refers to the Qur'an and Islam as the truth. Right? One of the names for Islam and the Qur'an is the truth. So those scholars who said that when Allah says, advise one another with the truth, what does that mean? Right? When you say to someone, advise someone with the truth, does it mean just tell them to be honest? Does it mean tell them not to lie? What is it referring to? They say, no, actually what it's referring to is Islam. So you advise one another with Islam, meaning with everything that comes under the Sharia. So for someone, that might be the prayer. For someone else, it might be that they're not giving zakah. For someone else, it might be that they're you know, selling alcohol or they're dealing in interest. For someone else, it might be they're not respecting their parents. For someone else, it might be reminding them about the rights of their spouses or their children, whatever it may be. Everything is included in the word al-haq. It is a comprehensive term that brings together all of the Sharia. And Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin says, and what they said, those scholars of the past, that Al-Haq refers to Islam, or refers to the Quran, or refers to everything in the Sharia, he said that's because Allah often says concerning the Quran and Islam, he often calls it the truth. So for example, in Surah Al-Isra, Allah says, وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ 
Allah says that the Quran was revealed with the truth and it comes with the truth. Right? It was revealed in truth and what it brings is also the truth. Right? And Allah therefore refers to the Quran and everything it brings which is Islam in both senses he refers to it as the truth. And likewise Allah says inna anzalna Indeed, we have revealed to you the book in truth. So worship Allah, making the, the religion sincere for him. So he says, therefore, the Quran, or the truth that Allah is telling us to advise one another with, includes everything. And it just depends on context, just depends on what a person needs most. Right? And, just one second. And that makes sense, right? It makes sense from a tafsir point of view, it makes sense from a you know, like an Islamic point of view, that it's not just the truth as in don't lie and only speak truth, but rather it's much more generic, right? It's much more encompassing, much more comprehensive. It includes everything that a person needs. Because some people may well be honest just by nature, they don't lie. So therefore, what is their truth that you advise them with? It is the truth that they need, right? That, that they require because of their weaknesses and when shaitan overcomes them. So this is what I was going to come on to, right? So Sheikh Shankaiti goes on and he says, so therefore what it refers to is everything in the religion. So he said for those people who need Tawheed, what is the haqq for them? It is to call them to Tawheed, right? So he says, for example, when Allah says, شَرْعَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الدِّينِ مَا وَصَّى بِهِ نُوحَا وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ وَمَا وَصَّيْنَا بِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَى نَقِيمُ الدِّينَ وَلَا تَتَفَرَّقُوا فِيهِ Right, when Allah says that we've given you the same religion that we gave to Ibrahim and Musa and Isa, that is the truth for those people who require that truth. So someone who doesn't know Islam, someone who doesn't understand Tawheed, someone who doesn't know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the truth for them is to call them to that. Whereas for other people, that's not the issue. For other people, it is that they have Islam, but maybe they don't pray. So for them, the aspect of truth is what Allah refers to in the Quran concerning Salah. Right, what the Prophet spoke to concerning the salah. For someone else, no, they believe in Allah and they pray, but they don't give zakah. So now the truth for them is what? It's zakah. And it's not just one, you know, one thing necessarily or either or. It could be many things. But the point is that that is what the truth is. And that makes sense also from the point of view, uh, from those scholars who said concerning this verse that it refers to these final two attributes refer to al-amr bil-ma'roof wal-nahi an-munkar. Enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. Because enjoining the good is different for each and every single person and forbidding the harm or evil also differs from person to person. There's not one goodness that you, you know, that everyone necessarily is in need of. Some people are better and some people are weak. Some people are good in some aspects and some are not. Right? And so each one depending on their own context and what it is that they need, that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to. And Shashnaqiti in his tafsir, rahimahullah, he goes through, you know, like it's a whole uh, list of verses that he brings. He says, so therefore, if someone needs tawheed, these are the verses that you would bring. If it's salah, those are the verses. If it's, for example, adab, right, it's etiquettes, the way they're treating their parents, the way they're treating other people who have rights over them, there are verses in the Quran that you bring for them, right? And so therefore, all of that together, though, when you bring it, is what we call al-haq, right? It is what we call the truth. And therefore, to be patient upon that, and that's where the sabr comes in, because that is difficult. Right? That requires patience to have that level of not only iman and righteous deeds for yourself, but then to be patient upon advising others 
calling them to the truth, being patient when they reject you, when maybe they, you know, like push back with force or they, they ridicule you or maybe they, they uh, swear at you, whatever they may do, curse you. Those types of issues also require a level of patience. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the two of them together. Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir, he only mentioned this opinion of Al-Hasan. Even though, like, you know, I've given different views of what, he only mentioned this opinion of Al-Hasan, meaning that and normally when he does this, it means that this is the one that he considered to be the strongest, right? The opinion of Al-Hasan rahimahullah is that Al-Haq refers to the Qur'an, right? The Qur'an and Islam. And Yahya ibn Salam said the same thing, rahimahullah, he said, Al-Haq is Tawheed. The truth is referring to At-Tawheed. And Imam Al-Razi said, and that shows that the Haq is Thaqeel, it is heavy. It is a burden. The responsibility is great because now it's not just one small thing or something here. It is everything that Sharia brings. And he says, and that is why Allah Azza wa Jal then advises us to have patience with it because of how heavy it is, right? It is difficult. And Allah Azza wa Jal calls the Quran in the, in, in the Quran, the Quran is described as being heavy, right? In Surah Muzammil, Allah says, Inna sanulqi alayka qawlan thaqeela. Indeed, we are going to place upon you a heavy speech, right? And that's not just physically heavy because when the Prophet would receive revelation, we know that it would be a weight upon his shoulders, he would sweat even on a cold day. It was physically heavy, but also because of the weight that it brings and what it contains and the messages that it brings and the responsibility that it places upon a person. And that's why Al-Qasimi, rahimahullah, in his tafsir, he said the same thing. He said that Allah Azza wa told us to begin with Iman and righteous deeds because that is the most important thing, right? You have to work on yourself before you work on others. You have to work on your Iman and your deeds and your responsibilities and the obligations that Allah has placed upon you before you worry about others so much. But at the same time, as you are doing that, when you see people that need advising, you advise them with the truth, in the truth that they need as and when they need. And he says, and that is why Allah Azza wa didn't say in this surah, وَأَوْسُوا بِالْحَقِّ وَأَوْسُوا بِالصَّبْرِ That they are advised to bear with the truth and are advised to be patient. But rather he said, tawasal, And the ta changes the verb to mean mutual. To mean we mutually do this to one another. So it's not that Allah is advising you with the truth. Allah is advising you with patience. It is yes, Allah is advising you with that anyway. But tawasal, but you must advise one another as well. So I must advise you, you must advise me. right? In the truth and to be patient upon that truth. And that is why as we mentioned at the beginning of, of the tafsir of this surah, the companions it was reported that they wouldn't depart after meeting with one another, except after reciting the surah as you know, a conclusion or as by way of parting. He said, uh, Sheikh Shunqayti, going back to his tafsir, he said, so if we were to look at all of this, we would understand therefore that when we don't have iman, that takes us to disbelief. And when you don't have righteous deeds, it takes you to having unrighteous deeds or sinning. And when you don't advise one another with the truth, it means either you don't care about each other or that you advise one another with falsehood. And when you don't advise one another with patience, he said it refers to or it leads to people becoming uh, in, a st- in a sense of agitation. They live with no contentment and no peace. And they have no inner tranquility because they're constantly 
dealing with the troubles and the difficulties of life. Uh, and then he, he has like a, a very long tafsir as, as how he brings, and we mentioned most of this before anyway, but he mentions how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about loss in different contexts, and this is something which we covered before, um, and I'm conscious of time, so I don't want to, want to repeat that again. But I will conclude uh, the tafsir of this surah with something which he also mentions, Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti, rahimahullah, in his tafsir, which is also a very interesting point that he brings, and that is that he says that there is another surah which has a very similar ending, very similar conclusion, in which we're also advised or told to advise mutually one another with two things. But in that surah, and this is in, in surah al-Balad, it is not patience and the truth, but rather it is patience and and then those who have iman and they do righteous deeds, so it's the same thing, and they mutually advise one another with a sabr, which is patience, and they mutually advise one another with, marhama means mercy, right, from rahma. So he says that it is therefore interesting how Allah Azza wa Jal in this surah adds a fifth attribute almost, right? Because we have the four in Surah Al-Asr, in Surah Al-Balad, we have three of the four, but instead of the haqq, Allah Azza wa Jal replaces it with the fourth component, meaning that you have now in total, you have five. And that is the component of mercy. And that is because these four aspects require mercy in terms of the way that you advise one another, in terms of uh, you know, the way that you advise with the truth, advise with patience, having that mercy upon yourself and upon others is extremely important. That's why Allah Azza wa told the Prophet It is only due to Allah's mercy that you were gentle with them, kind towards them. But if you were to have been harsh and stern with them, they would have dispersed from around you. Right? They would have left you. Because it is difficult to bear as it is very hard to stick to that level of iman and do your righteous deeds and fulfill your obligations and then advise each other and take that advice on board. It is difficult to do. When mercy is taken away from that, it becomes almost unbearable. And so Allah Azza wa adds that component as a fifth component because it is something which a person needs. And that is that they always require the element of mercy. Mercy upon themselves, mercy in advising one another and mercy when people err and they make mistakes and they sin and they do wrong, to have mercy upon them in, in the way that you call them back and in the way that you advise them and bring them back. Because otherwise what you have is a situation where, unfortunately like sometimes we have in our times, where you're constantly looking to put other people down, right? And you're constantly happy or some people are happy when others trip up or they make mistakes or they sin or they fail. And we feel this, and that's from shaitan, right? To feel that type of, of, of arrogance and pride and happiness that someone else isn't doing so well or someone isn't so good in their iman or someone's been exposed for a sin that they've committed and so on. That is from the evil of shaitan. You have that level of mercy because otherwise that advice is no good. Just as in the hadith of the man who used to drink and used to get lashed, drink and get lashed, drink and get lashed, until one occasion one of the companions commented and he said, this is a man who never learns. Every time he drinks and gets punished, he goes back and he does the same sin. The Prophet said to him that your brother has more need of you than this. Don't help shaitan overpower him. 
because he's already down, he's already sinned, by you taking away that element of mercy, and no doubt that is a time where the Prophet used to be harsh and used to be stern, but always within that harshness, within that strictness, there was mercy as well. Because the idea of that harshness is to bring them back to Allah. If the harshness takes them further away from Allah or makes them continue obstinate upon their sin, then it's not mercy anymore. Right? It's not beneficial to be harsh in that way. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. So with that, we come to the conclusion of, of, um, of this surah, or the tafsir of this surah rather. And I think we have a few questions online. Are these questions? Yeah, these are questions. Okay. So let's scroll down. Which one was the first one? Uh, the, the essay from, from Lisa. Okay, so first number two in Surah Al-Asr, you discuss three opinions on the root word of insan, of dhuhur, nisyan, and naus. For dhuhur, you also mentioned the word isti'nas and uns. I didn't understand the relationship between the three words, dhuhur, isti'nas, and uns. I, I don't know if there's necessarily a, an, an, a, the connection between the three is that they are the three root words of insan, right? So, for dhuhur, uh, the reason why they say that is because um, insan means to be apparent, right? Al dhuhur isn't the root word of insan, but it's what the root word of insan means, right? And that is that it's the opposite of jinn, because the root word of jinn is something which is hidden, right? Something which is veiled from your eyes. So they say insan, therefore, is the opposite, which is something which is apparent, right? So the word dhuhur is not the root word of insan, it is to make us understand what that root word refers to, right? So it's, you know, it's like a, a synonym for it. Question two, shortly after mentioning uns and how it means to console one another, you said you make yourself well known apparent because humans require the type of interaction. Was this the whole sentence about uns? And were you explaining how uns meaning is similar to dhuhur and isti'nas? Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, they all have, so which one of those is exactly the root word? Allah Azza wa knows best, right? I don't like, because the scholars of, of Arabic language will differ, you will find someone say it's nisyan. You know, the, the one that's nos, which means like movement, like a nos, which, which kind of comes from haraka and movement, is the one that I find least mentioned amongst the scholars of Arabic language. The two most prominent ones is number one, which is uh, make, to make apparent, and number two, nisyan, which is to be forgetful, right? That, that man is, by nature, forgetful. However, the same root word of, of insan also comes from isti'nas, right? And isti'nas means to be consoled or to be, you know, to, to, to find some type of consolation. And so because in the Arabic language, when you have multiple words that have the same root word, it means that there is always some link between them, right? Like jinn and jannah and, you know, janin, which is the child in the womb. Those are, they all come back to the same root word. What is the common kind of thread between all the, they have different meanings, but what is the common thread? There, there is all, some aspect of being hidden, right? Jannah is hidden from our eyes, the jinnah hidden, the child in the womb of the mother is hidden. It is, there is always some thread running, right? And I'm not a, by any means a specialist in the Arabic language or, or any of that stuff. So what they said therefore, because istinas has the same root word, and you know, it's something which is fairly like, I think well known that you know, humans require some level of social interaction, you know, even the most reclusive of people still has a family, still have parents, still have people that they would require to know and, and, and to get along with. That's like the link between you know, those root words. And Allah knows best. Last lesson you mentioned that khusran means abject total loss. Elsewhere you mentioned Sheikh Saadi said losses of different types, different levels. Some have full and total loss and some would be in a state loss, but their loss would be less. How do you marry these two together? 
So it's obviously depending on the attributes that are lost right in the last verse. The more you lose, the greater the sense of loss or the, the state of loss. The less you lose from that, then inshallah, the greater the sense of, of salvation from that. And Allah knows best. Sumaira, uh, she asks, given that most cases give reward of Jannah for having Iman and righteous deeds only, the latter two mentioned in Surah Al-Asr, how can they be regarded as compulsory? Or that one is sinning if one is an advising to the haqq and advising the sabr. When the first two are mentioned exclusively as sufficient to gain the rewards. Why not mustahab rather than compulsory? So yes, al-amr bil-ma'roof and nahi al-munkar enjoining the good and forbidding the evil is not always obligatory. And it has its own etiquettes and it has its own uh, you know, conditions and so on and wherever. And, and, and there is a whole... Uh, whole uh, you know, discussion to be had on that very topic which I didn't bring into this because it's not you know like an overt uh, mention of those aspects of enjoying the good and forbidden evil which are mentioned very clearly and and very overtly in other places in the Quran when Allah speaks clearly about right? which is very openly enjoying the good forbidding the evil right and when we come to that, inshallah, we will discuss that in more detail. So it's not necessarily that it is compulsory at all times, but just like righteous deeds. There's a time when your salah is obligatory upon you. Once you've fulfilled it, that obligation is different until the next one. Your zakah is once a year, once it's done, it's until the next one. Al-Amr al-Ma'ruf and Nahil al-Munkar is the same thing. It's obligatory in that context at that time, if you're able to do it and so on with those conditions. Then it's obligatory. If not, then no. Right? It doesn't become obligatory. However, the concept of sabr and these concepts, just because they're not mentioned together as many times, sabr is mentioned 70 times in the Quran also, like some of the scholars, Imam Ahmad, or Hassan al-Basri and others said, that the concept of sabr and patience in the Quran is also mentioned 70 odd times. So just because it's not mentioned together, or I didn't mention it, doesn't mean that you know, as a concept, it's not something which is also uh, very often repeated in the Quran. And likewise, the concept of ordering the good and forbidding the evil, even not in those specific terms, but as a concept of when Allah Azza wa enjoins goodness in the Quran over and over again, and he prevents us or forbids us from doing evil, that is mentioned. And it is something which is repeated very often in the Quran. Uh, Aisha asks, the use of and whoever believes in the last day in various statements, is there a reason why this particular article of faith has been singled out? So the reason that some of the scholars uh, mention is because it is an aspect that isn't directly linked to Allah. Right? So you have Allah's angels, they are attributed to him. Al-Yawm Al-Akhir isn't attributed to him, and so Allah Azza wa mentions both. Others said, because uh, it is one of the major aspects of, 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 of Aqeedah that people had difficulty in. So, so, so people would believe in Allah, you know, they may believe in the Kuwait, they may be, but they don't necessarily believe in resurrection. Right? The whole concept of Jannah, Nar, and punishment, and so on. And so Allah Azza wa refers to that also because of its importance. Uh, in regards to calling people to haqq in the workplace, would the display of good manners be righteous sufficient for the conditions of calling to the haqq? Yes, it may be. As the Prophet used to do sometimes in the early Meccan days, all he can do is simply invite and simply call and show his good manners, not necessarily about anything more. As I said, this is a you know, whole different discussion, which inshallah ta'ala, uh, there will be a time and place for inshallah when we come to that relevant verse. Uh, so inshallah, I think we're going to conclude that Jazakumullah khair uh, for coming. Again, uh, apologies once again for the slight delay in starting. Barakallahu feekum, Muslim Abid Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.